Hello, we're back. Welcome to Rugby League Back Chat and the season premiere of this year's show. We've got plenty to talk about in this and very special guests too, including the publisher of 4020 magazine, Phil Kaplan. Delighted to welcome the head coach of England, Sean Wayne, and League Express editor, Martin Sadler. Gents, thank you so much for coming on. We've got to go to Sean for Sean, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, you are the England head coach. A lot's happened in the off-season. Has it so, sort of settled in, sunk into you yet, that you've got such a proud role? Yeah, yeah, I'm very comfortable now. It's, um, it's pretty full on at the minute. You know, every day is a long day, but really enjoyable. Um, I'm, I'm a very patriotic Englishman. And uh, to get this job, I know how important it is to everybody. And, um, and I'm going to give my best shot. I'm going to work hard and, and make sure my team's prepared in, in October. When, you, when did you first find out that the, the job may be available slash, you know, England were interested in bringing you on board? It was a couple of weeks before the announcement. I, I met up with a, a few members of the board and uh, they showed interest and I was speaking to the Scotland Rugby Union at the time. So uh, we all that very quickly. Um, really excited to get the role. It's my, it's my dream job. I had a great job at Wigan, uh, but this to, to coach my, my own country is, is the best. Sean, I just wonder how useful it is. You, you've been involved with Scotland, you know, for quite some time since you finished at Wigan. How much have you sort of picked up from that role in rugby union that's going to be really useful for you in, in this role with England? Um, yeah, I, I didn't, I wasn't involved with the top squad of Scotland. It was just doing a, a review for Scottish rugby, right. which I did. Um, met some really, really good people up there. A really good experience. Um, it gave me a chance to stand back from league and and to look in and see, you know, so I still watched every league game then while I was away. Um, and it was only one or two days a week, so I, I still kept my hand in watching, you know, all the rugby league games. But I, I learned a lot, um, quite a few things which we're not capable of doing, because um, rugby union up there is a, is, a, is a very wealthy sport, and, you know, but sure. I'm, I, I, I understand that league for me, is, is, a, is a fantastic sport. I've, I've sure. never done anything else. I'm a league man. So You're always going to come back to rugby yeah, league, in other words. Yeah, yeah. yeah, somewhere. You mentioned it's full on at the moment. Of course, the role is full time. And over the last 20 years, the RFL haven't really decided whether it should be a part time or a full time role. It's been both. How are you occupying your days at the moment? It's quite easy, Phil. I've been, I've been spending time um, going seeing Super League head coaches, watching them train, spending time speaking to them, uh, speaking to my staff. He's coming on board. I've, I've changed most of my staff and um, I'm trying to give it a fresh look. Uh, and, and for them to understand my way of working, that's, you know, I don't operate the same as the, as the previous coach. So it, it's just them understanding um, the different ways we're going to play, the different ways we're going to train, the different ways we're going to behave. And, um, and I'm going to have a meeting with the players on the 23rd and make sure that they're all on board. And, and understand what I'm about. So though it's full time, you haven't actually got a lot of time in terms of matches before the World Cup comes around. You've got the three against Australia, maybe a couple of warm-up games in 2021. Have you got enough time? Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure I have. I'll make sure me and my staff are, are getting the work into the players, the detail, what they need. Um, the changes from the Great Britain games, what the players played in. Um, the changes I'm going to make. And, Hopefully that's going to be the difference when we play the, the Australians in the Ashes. So it's about me sitting there with the players. The fact is, Phil, you're quite right. I'm not going to get loads of games, but I'm going to get have a lot to get together so I can show footage and, and discuss discuss with the players what we need to do. Sean, one of the th one of the things you won't be doing is having a mid-season game this year. I think we played Samoa last year, didn't we? And 
we have for a couple of years. But but I think you've decided you don't want that mid-season game in June. You'd rather have the players um, together um, so that you can do what you want with them. But that long trip to the other side of the world for one game, I think, I mean, I don't know, am I putting words in your mouth to say it's just not worth all that sort of stress and, and, and bother just for one just for one match? The, the way I looked at it, I've been a head coach and I've lost players to international duty. So, and it's really tough, there's no, no question about that. So I understand what the Super League head coaches are doing and, and I want to make sure that, you know, if we have success in October in the Ashes, it's a Super League win. You know, the head coach have played the part. So I didn't see the benefit of doing it, to be honest. And, um, you know, I, I had a way of working at Wigan where we played scrimmage games um, against our 20s and I'm going to be doing that with our Knights at any opportunity again. So I just didn't feel the need the need for that game, to be honest, because it, no. it does put a lot of pressure on the Super League coaches. Sean, a lot was made uh, <clears throat> about the relationship with between Wayne and the Super League coaches. You obviously will have had that relationship at some point. Do you think the fact that you are coming from a Super League background, it will help you have a, an understanding with the coach, a better working relationship with, with your peers now? Absolutely. No, no question. I know all the coaches personally. I've had long discussions with them all already. Uh, met quite a few of them uh, face to face and uh, and that's going to be a massive benefit because I, I know what they've been through. I've been isolated and, um, and no, no doubt about it, Wayne had a, a tough job. It's very hard to, to do that job on the side of the world and I totally get that. But the fact is I'm here, I'm, I'm watching the players every single day and I'm having regular meetings with the Super League head coaches so they understand what I'm thinking about their players. The, the fact is, them players belong to them. Mm -hmm. So they're never going to be blindsided by me, their coaches. They're going to be fully aware of what my opinion is on them players and, and what they need to improve on. Mm -hmm. But it won't be affecting the Super League teams. I, I understand head coaches need to keep the jobs and need to win games. I know the pressure, what they're under. And I'm here to help them. I'm here to make sure that we have a winning team when it comes to my time in October. You, you mentioned style of play as well, um, and obviously your day-to-day -day coaching role at, at Wigan, you could develop that um, you know, all day, every day yeah. if you needed to. You're going to only have these players every so often. Will you change where they are at the moment and play a different style, or will you adapt what you're going to do to the players that you selected? Yeah, adapt to, to what I do with the players, there's not, no question about that, but I, I, saw, I saw things in the England games, in Great Britain games, what they played. Well, I, I would do it differently. That's that's a fact, and you know, I I, I understand. I'm not going to get the players for that long, so they need to um, they need to be small changes, but very effective ones. I have to prioritise the work I do with the players, and that's going to be that's going to be the key to make sure that I'm not giving them loads of information. Because the fact is, you quite rightly say I'm not going to get loads of time on the field, but the changes need to be. Um, have a lot of purpose, they need to make a lot of difference when it comes to playing Australia. What do you think about the quality of player that you've got available to you, Wayne? Um, Sean, rather, since, since, you, since you've been, you know, um, since you've had this job, you've, you've been looking again closely at, at Super League and, you know, the, the range of play across the whole 12, 12 clubs. You know, since you left Wigan a couple of years ago, do, do you think it's... Do you think Super League is making progress? Do you think it's just about where it was? I mean, do you think the quality of player you've got gives us a real chance of beating Australia, for example, this autumn? Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, no question in my mind. You know, and I think the head coaches Super League are doing a great job. We've got a great talent pool. You know, the squad I've picked, I'm, I'm really, really happy with. Um, so, and I need to 
make improvements in some way, put my own stamp on it as an head coach. But I think the head coaches who are in Super League now are doing a great job. No, no question about that. The quality of player are good enough to make sure that we can challenge them in the, in the Ashes. How hard is it to integrate the fact that obviously a proportion of your squad will come from the NRL who play a different style of rugby? higher intensity of rugby, I think it's fair to say, less rugby than uh, the guys yeah. over here. Is, is that going to be difficult to, to marry the two together? It's not, because the changes, these, these are the best players in our country. So the changes I'm asking them to do, um, are not, it's not really complicated. It's not a huge shift in what they've been doing, but it is different. It'll be visibly different, and, uh, but they can grasp it. They're, they're our best players. They're the cream of what we've got. So I'm going to Australia in June, having a few weeks with Australian players, and, and they're going to get, get exactly what our Super League players are going to get. Same information, same presentation, and everything's going to be um, the same, no matter if in the NRL or in Super League. Have you envisaged that first game as England coach, singing the national anthem? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, my, my announcement was at Bolton, you know, so we went out with a jersey and all looked at the ground. It's a fantastic ground. and. And um, if there's one thing what makes me emotional is national anthem, you know. So um, the thought of you know leading my team out for the first test at Bolton is uh, I'm up for it. The team's going to be excited. It's going to be a proper test match. It must be not so much reassuring but just comforting how well received the appointment was. I think across the country it was unanimous that everyone was pleased with this decision. That must have meant quite a lot to you. Yeah, it did. Um, I'm very thankful. I've had, I've had so much support. I was overwhelming because I never expected it, to be honest. Um, so that support, I'm very, very grateful for. And the fact is, English fans want to win, and um, and the Great Britain um, performances and English performances, we've not won for a long time, and that that's a fact. So we need to do something different, and that's what I, I aim to do. I think one thing as well, Sean. People. In England, want to be proud of the team. Yeah. They want they want to feel like they're being represented. A lot was made of the fact that Jackson Hastings, Blake Austin, who are Australians, played for Great Britain, and it was it was a mixed bag, wasn't it? It was a mixed reaction. What's your take on the matter? Would you consider Australian players or, or anyone from anywhere around the world playing for England? I, I am very patriotic, and um, if I was to bring anybody what was an English into the team, um, they'd have to be outstanding. You know, if if two players are playing exactly the same, I'm going to go with an English kid. And um, and but fantastic performances in Super League or in the NRL, the doors never close. Mm-hmm. Fantastic performances from everybody, which w- I would expect um, will get you in the team, no question. We, we mentioned Australia <laughs> because clearly they're first on the horizon, but. Arguably, International Rugby League as a whole has, has never been in better health at the top level. So, New Zealand have always been a rival. Now, with Tonga are on the scene yeah. as well. You're coming in at a time where, yes, you want to win the World Cup, but it, it's going to be the most difficult it's ever been. Absolutely. And I'm, that's the way I want it, Phil. I want it that way. I want it to be, I don't want it easy. And, and um, I want to play against the best teams. And, and, uh, and, I, and I understand the pressure. It's, it's, it's about winning. There's no question in my mind. There's one thing what I want to do is win the Ashes and win the World Cup, and anything else is, is not good enough, and that's down to me. I think it was Vincent Lombardi, the, the great um, 
gridiron coach who said winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. Mm. And I think you've inherited that, that view, Sean. You've yeah. already made it very clear that you're not, you're not happy about coming second. You know, it, it, coming first is what really matters. I don't think anybody's, I don't, if I'm honest with you, Martin, I don't think anybody's interested in coming second or playing well in a great game but losing. It doesn't matter to me the quality, it's just about winning. And if the team can play well, then great. But my, my one only priority is winning, winning the game. And, and that's what excites me. It's, it did, it's the same at Wigan. It was the same when I coached reserve, the 19s. Um, that's the only thing to me. And mm. uh, it's the only thing for English fans. You know, we're a nation. I don't want to play second fiddle. I don't want us to be second pick as a country. It's, um, it's ingrained in us, um, in our culture, it, that we love winning. In which case, to do that, do we have to change the domestic structure a little bit to help you? Um, you you're right, I've, I've been in the, the club game for a long, long time and I know um, the commercial pressures on clubs and I know what they need to do. Um, so I, I, t I totally understand it. Um, if that's what we're giving Phil, if that's the way it is, the season is, then me and my staff need to work really, really hard to make it fit. There'll be any discussions, any discussions yeah. Sean, about shortening the season though with, with Super League, for example, Robert Elston, the chief executive, because I think Robert Elston's also said that he would like a shorter season. Um, but, I, you know, he's obviously under pressure from the clubs though to not do that, but surely the clubs themselves must realise. I mean, you've talked about the commercial uh, imperatives that they face, but they must understand surely that if we win the World Cup, that will potentially open up a whole new commercial um, opportunity for them. 100%. And Robert Elson's a smart guy, and so is, uh, I've met all the CEOs and owners, and they're smart as well. They understand, you know, it's not always about volume. Uh, you, you can have a player less games, better quality, higher crowds. I don't know the detail of what they're going to go into at the minute. I'm picking my staff and my squad, and my squad of players. So um, that's something which will, will become evident in a few weeks' time if they need to speak, speak about it. The main thing for me is there's no excuses. There's no excuses going to come from me, my staff. Um, we'll get what we're given and I'll make sure them prepared for the first test and for the World Cup the year after. If, you, if it stays as it is, I think the, the grand final's normally the second weekend of October, isn't it? The World Cup starts the fourth weekend of October. Yeah. So you've got two weeks effectively to turn around from a grand final where many of your players are going to be involved. I'm taking it you've already started putting together how you will work that yeah. two-week period to maximise the recovery and the yeah. and the performances. How exactly do you plan on, on trying to do that? Um, well, it's all about working, working with the S&C people. It's easy. Um, we, we have a, a lot of Easter periods at Wigan and, and that's a very, very difficult period for the players. Um, but I love the challenge of that and um, not everybody did. But it, 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 it is what we were given, and, and, and I quite like that. I'd be brought up with Easter and go for Addis and Easter Mondays. And as staff, you need to work out, you don't go to sleep. And, and that's the way it is, and, and that's the same. We've got two <laughs> weeks before, before the game, and, um, and I make sure when the players play that first game, they're, they're prepared, they feel fresh. And if it means them doing nothing to recovery and massage and autumn calls, that's the way it's going to be. Well, will you there, Martin? I will come back to you. I Thank assure you. you. We're going to have to take a little break before we get back to Sean England and all sorts else. Toronto, their salary cap war, and so much more. After the break, we'll be speaking about the England squads with Sean and much, much more. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Rugby League Back Chat. We're going to go straight into the England squads that were announced on Tuesday afternoon. Sean, the only place to start is with you, obviously. Just talk us through the, the initial, I think it's 31-man squad that you've you've named. Yeah, yeah. it's not what I would call a squad. It's a gathering of players. What I've, I've selected, I've, I've, I've spoke to nearly every Super League coach and every CEO, and, and I've watched most of the games, every, every one of the games, in fact. So it's my memories from, from last season, the year before, and I've come up with a group of players um, what I wanted to pick and what I wanted to work with and I want to have a meeting with on the 23rd uh, of this month. But there's going to be loads of changes, there's going to be form changes, injuries, and, and uh, I don't imagine that's going to look anything like that at the end of the year. Um, but initially, I'm, I'm, there's some talent in there. The, the coaches of Super League have done a great job. And I'm very, very satisfied with, with what I've picked, but fantastic performances in the next six weeks, eight weeks will change. That's what people come in, people go out. And, um, you know, I do expect when I watch a Super League game that them sort of players are, are, the, are the best and, and play the best they can. Got to ask you about Paul McShane, <clears throat> because he was one player that was, people were crying out for him to get a go in that England shirt when he was fantastic in 2017. He ne never got the, the crack. He's in your, your gathering of players. What is it about him that you like? I think he's a great player. I, I rate him very highly, and you know I've, I've been to Castle a few times as a wing coach, and, and got and got um, and lost, and uh, which hurt me badly. And he was always the one. What, what you got the blame? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we could never fix it with him. Yeah. Um, but a great player, front foot gets out, very smart. His delivery uh, as a dummy half is fantastic. You know, there's things you need to improve on, but there's things Sean Lockley is for every single player. This thing I need to prove on his coach. So, him as a player, I rate him very highly. I'm, I'm excited to be working with him. And then in the outside backs, a lot of a lot of youth, uh, a lot of exciting players. Yeah. Liam Marshall has got that incredible try at the weekend. But one name that, that stuck out was Harry Newman. He's emerged on the scene since Callum Watkins left for Gold Coast. Had a great start to the season. What is it about him that caught your eye? Yeah, offensively, he's great. He's, he carries the ball really strong. Makes good meters. I, 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 again, he's a, he's a really exciting player. You know, young and very, very talented. Um, he thinks in his game needs to improve on. Um, but re really, really good talent. You know, I like the way he carries the ball. He challenges defenders, and um, you know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to working with him as well. You mentioned that you know you've been in contact with the coaches and the CEOs. Yeah. But how much is their input on certain players? helped form your opinion and, and that gathering of players as well? Yeah, it's been the main thing, I'd say. Because yeah. they're, they're with the players. I mean, the head coaches, I get on with anyway, mm -hmm. and I admire them. And I admire the view because they're with them every day. Mm -hmm. And um, so, if you know, there's been a few changes through conversations with them. Um, so it's been re really invaluable to me, the, 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 the welcome I've had, if mm -hmm. I'm honest. You know, every, every ground I've been to, the welcome I've had, Open, open arms, come to any training session, do what you need to do. We just want to help England win. And that's been so satisfying for me. Mm -hmm. Have you got a captain in mind and will you perhaps go with one for the Ashes series and maybe a different one for the World Cup or are you looking for some kind of continuity? No, no I'm not looking for continuity. Um, I, want, I want to win the Ashes if, if possible and I want to win the World Cup. If it's two different captains, I'm not going to, I'm not in my mind to, to, it's not a preparation tournament. This is, I'm going all to win it. I'd be obsessed with it. And it's the same with the World Cup. It's really important that we get to the end of that and we're playing at Old Trafford. So, um, yeah, no, no idea of captains. Um, I know I have, I have an idea of some players, what 
are good leaders. You know, Lockers is the best. Um, you know, the best I've worked with. But uh, you know, he's not in the squad, so we'll be looking at other people what can what can come on board and do a great job like he's done. You brought Luke Gale back in as well to the senior squad. It's a, a bit of a fairy tale story that, and, and being an ex-player, of course, you'll appreciate it more than most. That to go through two years of virtually not being able to play, and within a month of being back in Super League to be included in your England squad, that that's a real boost for him. Yeah, it is. But he's he's, he's got a lot of the back end of his career. He's had two years off. So he needs to earn his money again. So he's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, uh, he's his talent. He always has been and, uh, and always will be. So um, he, he'll be firing this year because, you know, rugby players are bred to play every week and he's not playing for a long time. So you could tell for the weekend he's buzzing. He's, he's playing really well. Another guy who's had similar terrible injury look um, as Luke Gale is Don Manfredi. Yeah. And again, I know from having spoken to you before when you were the Wigan coach, how much you admire that young kid. Yeah. And it's great to see him now back, hopefully fit, hopefully to have a much luckier year this year. And, you know, he's, he's in your squad, isn't he? I understand. And, yeah. you know, what a, what a tremendous prospect he is. I, I, you know, I'd love to see him shooting down the wing and yeah. scoring against the Aussies. Yeah, so would I. <laughs> Many times. So would he. Um, yeah, so would he. I watched the Huddersfield game and all the talk was about Liam Marshall, who was great in that game. Yeah. But, but people don't talk about Don Manfredi took some tough carries in that game. He's an outstanding talent. I've known him since he was a kid. And um, and, I, and I know the difficult places he's been in. You know, I've had mm. personal conversations with him and, you know, met his mum and dad and I know where he's been. Um, and he's been in some bad places, so for him to come back shows his his mental strength, his resilience, and and when he's on form, he's he's one of the best in the world. So I'm looking forward to working with with again. He's a good, he's a good player. Sean, sure there's there's a lot of people in Australia that simply don't believe that England are good enough to beat the Aussies. They've got that arrogance about them, haven't they? What what would your response be to those people who say that England have no chance of winning the Ashes or the World Cup? I can I can understand them thinking that we've not beaten them for a long, long time. You get a player like Sam Burgess, I don't think he's ever beat them, which is a, <coughs> a, bit, a bit of a crying shame and a bit embarrassing. I'm a, I'm, I am a bit embarrassed about it. So um, we, can't, we can't do anything. Verbally, I can say what I want to hear, convince people nothing will work until we play them in the Ashes. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and hopefully we can prove it. And I can put a team together, me and the staff can work hard and make sure they're prepared. The only way we can fix that is on game day. And uh, the first test at Bolton, that's our first chance. And that's when we need to do our talking then. I, I, just hope, I just hope the Aussies keep thinking that way, personally. <laughs> well, they I'd have, be only too delighted. Absolutely. <laughs> to be fair, they, they have had their own way for 50 years, so it is understandable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is somebody like Sam Burgess, who just mentioned, a potential part of your backroom staff on the basis of the fact that obviously now he's retired from playing, he's, he's, he's very close to that generation of players. Would that be some way that you could change maybe the attitude within the dressing room to have somebody like him involved? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I rate Sam very, very highly. You know, but I, I have my, my, um, my own thoughts on um, how, how we change players' attitudes. Um, I have my own ways. And um, so I'm, 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 I'm very, very comfortable and happy in me as an head coach. I know what I need to do to make sure this team's prepared mentally, physically, um, to, to take on Australia. Sam's going to help, and so are my assistants. Um, everybody at the RFL played a part to make sure that we get a winning team in, in October. And But Sam, I rate him, I tried to sign him as a player and 
I love him to pieces. He's a great, he's a great, great fellow. But to get him working with us is, is definitely something I want. You, I was just going to ask you about that actually, <laughs> whether you ever really tried to sign Sam, because <laughs> obviously he played in that 2007 Test series against New Zealand, and you know had that incredible <laughs> clash with Fui Fui Moi Moi, apart from many other things. Um, but then went to Australia. Did you ever come anywhere near to getting him to go to Wigan? Yeah, I went, I went down to, to Bath, got the train down, the worst train journey. Oh, that was when he was playing for yeah. Bath? Yeah, right, okay. And, um, later. and it was a, 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 I got a train, train down there and it was, I had to change, it was, a, it, it was an horrendous journey down. It uh, took me a long time, many hours, and when I got down there he said no. He <laughs> <laughs> was going to the rabbit hole, but he, he, he needed to see me yeah. and tell me that. It made me go to him. You never, you, never tried to, you never tried to sign him when he was a teenager? Yeah, yeah, to... yeah. He, he, his dad, who sadly passed away, we had him at, at Wigan at the DW with all the kids when they were babies. So we, you know, we, we was aware of them. But, um, you know, he's a Bradford kid, wasn't he? So he's always going to stay mm. there. You, you need to have some influence over the next generation as well. So obviously your, your initial priority is the series coming up in the World Cup. But yeah. Are you going to get involved in what was the, the England performance unit role whereby it was almost the director of rugby side of things so that you can influence the Knights that you, the squad's been named, maybe even the under-16s and under-18s that are coming through? Is that part of your, yeah. your remit? Yeah, it's a great question. It's not directly my remit, but it will be. I, I want to be involved in that. Um, I want to announce understanding what I'm about because Paul Anderson, Paul Schoolthorpe, the two talented coaches, and um, and I want to involve them, and I want their information off of top squad, um, nights players, and I need them if it comes to it in October. If I call on them, young players, I want them ready to go, and that's why we had a lot of success at Wigan. Mm -hmm. um, we had we had a fantastic um, coaches set up with our juniors, people like Matt Pete and John Winder was was coming through then, and they had the players ready, you know. People but talk you were, about you were very hands-on with their preparation Yeah, as well. I, I was, I was. <laughs> but they were very well prepared by them coaches as well. Shane Nettles, loads of young coaches, what was down there. So it was very easy for me. I, I get all the praise for that, bringing the young <coughs> kids through. It was quite easy. They were talented. And, uh, and I jump in and, and, and sessions with them, but that was very much done by the coaching staff as well. Is it a big advantage for you, the fact that you actually started coaching the academy at, at Wigan, Sean? It was tough, Martin. It was, there's no question about that. But it was invaluable. You know, I, I started coaching when I was about 24. People don't know that, but me and Dean Bell was coaching the, the, the community, the schools around Wigan at that, that age. So I've coached for a long, long time, but coaching, coming through the, uh, the age grades at Wigan was... In, invaluable, you know, but when I got to the top squad, I was coaching people like Brett Finch and Pat Richards, and you know, I knew what I was about. I knew the standards I wanted. I knew the culture, and um, you know, we sound players. What what they had to fit into what we was about, and we didn't fit to them, and it was very very important to me because you know I've been coaching a long time, so I know exactly what what I want, and you know, we we sound a player like Blake Green. He, he was that something different, and mm. uh, it was important to me to bring him in, and, and that slightly changes the the way the clubs run. But that culture and standards stay the same. You talk about building a culture. How do you build a culture with a group of players that you're not going to be with day in day out? Obviously, with England, you do get not as much access. How do you plan on instilling that culture that you held so dear at Wigan? I, I am all I am all for 
telling everybody everything, information. I don't use it as a weapon and keep it away and challenge people and let people make mistakes. I like telling everybody everything on the 23rd and then the frequent meetings I'm going to have with the players and the footage I'm going to show them. It's going to be very, very clear what we're about, what I'm about. And, um, and, and if you want to stay in the group, then we'll crack on. If you don't, then, you know, we can change. There's, there's no, I have no problem with that at all. But I, I have a, a certain things which I will not deviate from. You know, the way we train, you know, turn up on time, punctuality, respect. And, but when we're playing, when we're training, it's, it's home. I wanted to ask you about um, another thing about the Australia comparisons. Everyone says the forwards in England are as good, the backs aren't. Technically, you have much more insight than we do. Is that a fair assessment? And, and where, where does this opinion form? that the Australian backs have a bit more about them than the English backs do? Um, athletically, um, they, they've got bigger athletes. Mm -hmm. They've got, you know, in some areas, better athletes. The, the fact is, when it comes to the Ashes series, we need to be at our absolute best. Mm -hmm. So mentally, physically, um, tactically, we, we need to be, before every single player, one to 17, has to be at the best. Nobody can have a day off. One of the big questions uh, after the Great Britain Tour was playing square pegs in round holes, that a lot of the right players might have been selected, but in the wrong positions. Yeah. Is that something that you can see why that happens in international rugby, or will you not be going down that road? Can we expect Johnny Lomax to play at standoff? Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know the reasons why the coaching staff did what they did on that tour. I wasn't privy to it. Um, I didn't understand some of the things what happened. Um, but they'd have had their own reasons, no, no question about that. The, the coaching staff on that last tour were very, very smart. I'm not into that. I'm into correct players playing the correct positions unless it's decided really early on um, where George, which side George William plays and where Johnny Lomax plays and you know that type of thing. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm all for players having uh, long periods in the right position and that's where they're going to get picked. I just wonder, Sean, you, you, you'll obviously have watched the World Club Challenge, um, the Roosters beating St. Helens. And in, in a sort of a, a nutshell, that game, in a sense, illustrated the problem that we have in England because St. Helens attacked, they, 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 did, they, you know, they were putting incessant pressure on the Roosters' line. Uh, the Roosters absorbed it and then you know, struck back and took every opportunity yeah. they had. And that's, that's often been the case, hasn't it, when we play against Australian teams, either internationally or at club level. That we, we, you know, we put tons of effort in, but we just don't always take advantage of opportunities. No. And they do. And if we can just cure that, that, then we'll have a hell of a lot better chance of beating them, I would have thought. Yeah, I, I mean, we put Cronulla under the pump. You did, yeah. A few yes. years ago, well, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And we won 26 6. And, and, and that was um, a fantastic victory for us. I thought the Saints game could have gone easily gone another way, Martin, and mm. it, it was it was unlucky. The goal line D was great, but I, I thought St. Helens were fantastic in that game. Yeah, but they didn't get them over the line. They didn't get over the line. They didn't get the win. And um, but I'm sure in in years to come, uh, the young players got Saints are coming through. They'll be in them games again, and they'll fix that. No, no question about that. But the players and the staff there at Saints will be very frustrated, but they will know they're not far off. Martin, I'm going to have to stop you there because we have to take a quick break. The final part of Back Chat coming up after this very short break.
welcome back to the final part of this week's Rugby League Back Chat. Sean, one thing I just wanted to ask you before we, we move on to Super League. You left the game and very soon there was little whispers that you wanted to get back into the game. Uh, there was even talk in Australia that there was an NRL, a few NRL jobs that, and they may be interested in you. Did you get close to, to going over to the other side and trying that challenge before the England job came about? No, no. I, I, an agent, a big agent in, in Australia um, contacted me and um, I went with them and they was in conversations with club, but there was nothing definite. You know, they were fixed up at the time. Nothing uh, 100% come off. It'd have been good to have an Englishman there. Yeah. Do some damage over there. Those yeah, I, I, know, I know I could, I don't mean to say arrogant, but I know I know what I can do. I know I can make a difference. I've been very confident. Well, let's hope that you uh, can do it on the national yeah. front for us. Uh, just want to move on to Super League. Uh, so much to talk about. Uh, Phil, we'll come to you. I think one of the things that everyone's talking about after this week is what is going on at Warrington. Uh, Leeds, brilliant, no doubt, but Warrington were not. Uh, yeah, what, what, what's your take on, on the Wolves at the minute? For, it, the rush to instant judgment is something that society as a whole yes. needs to get away from, because clearly in round one, Hull were going to win the grand final. In round <laughs> two, it was going to be Warrington because of the way they played against St Helens. Now both of those coaches apparently are under pressure because we're three weeks down the line and they're not playing brilliantly. Uh, I think we've got to get a sense of perspective. Um, it's very early in the year. Some clubs haven't played the same number of games, which I think, again, is, is a factor at this time. I think Catalan being strong at Hull uh, on Sunday might have been something to do with the fact they had two weeks to prepare for that game. Conditions aren't great this time of year. It all sounds like excuses, but I'm not sure we've got a form line yet. My only worry with Warrington is that they've not won away from home uh, since the middle of last year. I think they've won three in 15 uh, of the last Super League games. Mm -hmm. So something clearly is not quite working and it may well go back to the discussion we had in part two about square pegs in round holes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm loath to discuss anything to do with players and tactics when someone so esteemed is on the panel. <laughs> but it looked uh, as a spectator... Martin won't mind. <laughs> He'd already adopted the role. But he, uh, it looked as a spectator that the spine wasn't quite right of Warrington. There's some very talented players there, but not necessarily all playing in the, the right position and not necessarily adapted yet to yeah. the new surroundings of their club. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that Warrington have a penchant for going out and buying players when there's an issue and not developing juniors. And have got the perfect example here of a club that Sean was in charge of where never frightened to throw a junior in. And if that junior played well, kept its place no matter mm -hmm. who was behind them. Morgan Smithers last year was a perfect well, example. Well, I, I, I think Wigan, St Helens and Leeds, who arguably have been the three most successful clubs over the era, have all gone down that road of we need to produce our own as a core of the, the squad that we're putting out. And I'm not sure Warrington have. It's interesting, uh, Sean, that, that Warrington, you know, Gareth, they've signed Gareth Widlip and he's not in your squad, is he? No. You know, because he obviously he's struggling with injury. Now he's played two games, I think, uh, but hasn't really shown great form if we're really honest about it yet I mean obviously I assume there's time for him to play himself into Absolutely. the squad if 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 if, if, if necessary but um, I suppose he really needs to find his feet in Super League doesn't he by, by the look of it yeah and it will be a big change for him the, the doors open for Gareth he's, he's a good player he did a great job in, in the NRL with St George and you know so I, 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 I like how he plays but um, he, he, he would know himself you know Steve, Steve would know that his form not Hitting the they're at form at the minute. He, he needs to play better, but um, it, it is very very difficult coming from the RF from the NRL in, into Super League. And you know I know the difficulties what we've had when we, we've got players from um, from the NRL. It, it is hard to adapt. 
very, very quickly. And I think he's just going through that. Give him, give him a few weeks and he'll be, he'll be back to his best. Sean, I've got to ask you, Phil alluded to it, Steve Price and Lee Radford allegedly under pressure. I mean, coach under pressure after five rounds, what, as a coach, what's your, yeah, <laughs> what, what's your take on this, this seemingly hostile environment where results don't go right for a few weeks and it's kick the coach out? Yeah, it, it, I mean, they won't, they won't be aware, they won't be on trust, they won't see anything. And they'll be turning up and they'll be working hard. They're both really good friends of mine. And both are working very smart coaches. So they'll be they'll be they know that they can easily come out. You know, the, both them teams play outstandingly well this year and these conversations are finished. So that's how fickle the game is. And I've been there. Uh, I've been through it many, many times. It's just the way it is, you know, there's not many head coaches in Super League about and uh, and, and them what are in the jobs. They get, they get put under the pump quite easily and that's just the way it is and I accepted it and it's just you, you just need to be hard first and, and crack on and, and trust your judgment and them to your coach you will do that. At the same time Martin you know there are big expectations on Warrington with bringing another marquee oh, player in Hull have obviously recruited heavily it's way too early to be to be worrying about results at the minute but I guess the fans have heard what they're supposedly going to do not seen it the last few weeks can you understand why the, the fans are? Well, of course, you know, well, the Warrington fans, they're always going to be the next team to win the grand final, aren't they, Warrington? <laughs> they've got this thing, they've not won it yet, but they're going to win it. And, you know, Carl Fitzpatrick, the chief executive, is very determined with that aim in mind. So they've gone out and bought the players who they think they could deliver that for them. But, you know, and, and it might, I mean, <laughs> as we say, it's a long season. Absolutely. By the end of the season, we might be saying how great they all are. So let's not, let's not write them oh, off. Oh. But the thing that struck me at the weekend, though, was Catalan Dragons, actually. I mean, you must be thrilled to see Sam Tompkins playing so yeah. well, um, Sean. But again, talking about a big signing, controversial signing, Israel Folau. Mm -hmm. My goodness, you know, when he took that ball with that last kickoff that... Um, you know, that the Catalans had when they'd gone one point behind against Hull mm -hmm. on Sunday. He took that he took that ball, that short kick off, and they created a try in the you know, two or three tackles afterwards, you know, James Maloney. I mean Maloney and Falau look to me at this point, maybe not by the end of the season, but at this point look to look to be the two star signings mm -hmm. in Super League. I mean Falau scored that try, you know, in, in, in Perpignan that immediately won over the Perpignan, you know, the Catalan fans you know, despite that controversy of his signing. And, you know, that, that look, the, the Catalans, I hate to say it because I'm probably putting a spell on them, but it, it looks as though it could be their year this Unfortunately, year. Unfortunately, yeah. we've all learned <laughs> yeah. to be... But, but in, in, this, in this rush to judgment after week yeah. one, when they got so heavily beaten at home by Huddersfield, mm -hmm. everybody said, oh, it won't be their year. So yeah, yeah. halfway through last season, everybody was saying Wigan were in a relegation battle, they ended up 80 minutes from Old Trafford. Yeah. 2005, yeah. Bradford got beaten by 60-odd points at home by St Helens, won 13 games on the trot and took out the grand final. The, so, big, the big one, yeah. Phil, 2017... In March, mm. Castleford 66, Leeds Rhinos 10. Yeah. Grand final, and Leeds Rhinos the amazing, beat Castleford. But the amazing you know, thing after that game it goes. was that Brian McDermott said, don't rule Leeds out for the grand yeah, final, yeah. even though we yeah. sided. Come, because I think as coaches, you see yeah. things that fans and journalists don't. Here's one thing yeah. that we do need to talk about. is Toronto. Now, they've, they've lost all five. But they've played the top five from last season. So, look, maybe too early to judge what they're like on the field. But... Off the field, there's so much talk about their salary cap and the various loopholes that they, they find out and whatever. Martin, from the outside, what's your take on the Toronto salary cap situation? 
they claim that you know that they had done by others think they've just mismanaged it what's your take well i always remember a few years ago talking to gary hetherington the chief executive of leeds rhinos and i asked him what the key to success was in super league and he said the key to success is managing the salary cap um, which always struck me as quite wise words really and and it looks as though toronto have come up into super league not really being prepared um, to deal with the salary cap as it as it stands and hoping that they'd be able to persuade the other clubs to give them some dispensation mm -hmm. to ease the problems that they've got and i think that was always a, a a foolish wish really because when you come into a competition against 11 other clubs who are competing against you and in particular not wanting to be relegated they're never going to give you any breaks mm -hmm. are they let's face it they're never the clubs themselves but for the they, most did part they, did they deserve one well, maybe not. I mean, you know, but, but the fact is, you've got to think about the competition, but also what's good for the game. Now, what's good for the game, as far as I'm concerned, is that if we can really establish a strong foothold in Canada, goodness knows where the game might go to. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't, you know, you, you, you've got to say that expansion, you know, the, 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 the Wolfpack have had crowds of up to 10,000 at, at Lamport Field, you know, and... They've, they've generated a terrific amount of enthusiasm for Rugby League but, but in Toronto. But isn't that the point, that it's not about Toronto and their salary cap? And it never was. It's about what is our policy on expansion? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, what this what is... do we want? You know, we've, Let's go back 125 yeah. years when the Northern Union was formed. We've always tried to get into areas like Coventry, South Shields, mm -hmm. Plymouth. Uh, never mind Wales, which is the area that we should have developed, but, but yeah. never quite got a handle on. Paris, for example. But when we bought in Catalan Dragons, mm -hmm. and it was decided to develop that south of France market, which admittedly already had a lot of rugby league history behind mm -hmm. it, we gave them a dispensation of three years yeah. off relegation. Mm -hmm. And expansion and relegation are like oil and water. Now, I don't think it's unrealistic if you genuinely want to establish mm -hmm. Toronto as a force, to offer them that same dispensation. To play devil's advocate though, they were never given those assurances like Catalans were. Additionally, they had marquee players in Ricky Latelli and Darcy Lussick. Brought Sonny Bill Williams in who takes a marquee. So now Darcy Lussick isn't a marquee, but he's still earning marquee money. Is, you know, but I think we, is, is that just a mismanagement no, I, I, of, of I, I where they were going? I think missed the point here. The point is that what everybody was talking about throughout the close season, and the guy who's probably raised the profile more than anybody else in recent times is Sonny Bill Williams. Yep. And the avowed aim of Robert Elston in his position as executive chairman is to focus on the personalities of the sport, to get more column inches, to get more people who don't necessarily avidly support the game to be watching it and following it. Mm -hmm. Toronto have done that. Now, if that's part of what you want to do, yeah. they're part of what you must have. I'm can sure I, you're going to ask Sean the same question as I am. Go on. I was just going to say to you, Sean, well, I don't know. I was just going to say to you, if two years ago somebody had said to you that in 2020 playing in Super League would be Sonny Bill Williams and Israel Folau, what would you have said? Would you have said, well, we're dreaming, probably yeah. those guys probably, there's no chance of them coming. Yeah, especially in the position they were in at the time. Yeah, yeah. You'd never imagine that, but, you know, Sonny Bill Williams travelling playing in this competition is a fantastic asset to Super League. Sean, you've been a Super League head coach and you were around when Catalans were coming in and, and so on. And you've heard what, you know, the, the various arguments about Toronto salary cap. From the outside, what's your take on this as a, as a bigger picture? I'm all for expansion. Um, 
especially with me being out looking them all in the uni for a year. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I've been outside looking in, and you know, I, I appreciate what what rugby union have internationally. But league is, I'm a league man, and um, I think we undersell ourselves. You know, I'm, I'm all I'm all for um, getting it out to other areas um, as many years as we can get it in for them to see our great game. You know, and, I'm, and I have conversations with lots of people doing my speaking at the minute, and they, they all love it. They just don't see enough of it, and and I just think it's a crying shame. You know, I, I just see a lot of negativity within rugby league. We don't need anybody else outside affecting our game. We we, we, we kill it from from in, in, inside, and I, I get all the tribalism into club, but we're, we're too keen to. To look for faults, and um, the more people what can see our fantastic game, the better. You know, we took a, a playoff game to, to Millwall, mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. and the Wigan fans, season ticket holders, you know, that, they would have found that hard, but it was still the right thing to do, and it was a great crowd, and played, they played Catalan, and mm -hmm. it was a big step for Ian to do that, you know, but I was all for it when Ian, you know, if we'd, if we'd have got beat, I'd have been. Under pressure again, but uh, <laughs> we didn't. We, 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 won, we won the game. But. And, and the biggest attendance for a Super League game is now held in Barcelona. Yeah. yeah. So you know we can do it, yeah. and we have done it, and we've scratched the surface of it. But we haven't got a policy of how we're going to do but it. But the interesting thing about that, Phil, is that they've not gone back to Barcelona exactly. this year. Yeah. So we we go there on a one-off occasion. Yeah. yeah. That's And don't league. go back and consolidate. You know, that, that's what I find frustrating yeah. about our sports sometimes. I, I, I think your experience in Scotland, um, and some of which you've outlined, uh, trying to, to look at their whole sport and improve it, would indicate that there are opportunities for us if we're brave and if we're bold and if we're prepared to perhaps commit some uh, resource to development rather than just to keeping a competition going. Yeah that there, there probably is in the borders uh, an opportunity now for Rugby League to have a League One team. Absolutely. I, I went up there the week after we won the grand final, when I finished up Wigan, and um, and everybody watches League. Mm. They admire it, they love it. And, and I'm thinking, why are we not seen by more people? You know, <laughs> yeah. everybody loves it. And, 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 I, and I sit back and I see somebody trying to do something different and everybody within League are looking for negatives Absolutely. and go public with it. And I'm thinking, why are we not more positive about everything? You know, we're, we're killing it from the inside. Well, we, we've taken on the road games to, yeah. to Edinburgh. You know, we can do it. Yeah. Scotland are up. in the World Cup, they're playing Australia. How are yeah. we going to build up to yeah. that? Yeah, exactly. The, the, the one time that Rugby League really did have a major presence, I think, was when you were in that Wigan team in, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s. You know, and, and, and in those days, everybody knew who most of the Wigan players were, yeah. nationally, I think. But I was, I was intrigued, Sean, by the fact that you left that team, didn't you, in 1990 to go to Leeds. What Had what nothing you, to do with £110,000 transfer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what, 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 made you, what made you decide to leave Wigan at that time? But very simple. I did, I did nine years and eight months at Wigan, I think it was. And then, uh, then Morris got me in the office and said, Leeds had come in and made an offer. Right. And we'd accepted it. Right, and I said, "Well, I don't, you know, I didn't want to go at the time because I've been at Wigan a long time." So it was a fait accompli. Yeah, yeah. And um, what people don't know is there was Morris Lindsay, who I admire. He's a, he's a, he's a top fella, and somebody I speak to regularly. And Tom Rathbone were in tears telling mm. me because they they actually said, um, at "Me and Sean Edwards when they signed us, we was the change of 
uh, we can come down to Division Two. You remember? Yeah, yeah, in I, do. I do. Yeah. In Division Two, and we was one of the first signings, so he, he was upset, telling me, uh, crying, but I was still going. <laughs> it was still catching the chair. <laughs> I'd love to uh, talk to you more, Sean, but we yeah. are going to have to wrap up now. So, uh, yeah, that is all we've got time for on this season premiere of this season's Rugby League Bat Chat. A huge, a huge thanks, I should say, to our guest, Phil Knight, and in particular, Sean. Great to have you on. Thank we'll you. be uh, we're back next week for more Rugby League Chat, but for now, goodbye. <laughs>